I don't know. And uh, if I don't know you, my name's Andrea Giordano, and there's uh, three things you should know about me before we get started. Number one is I have the most gorgeous son in the world, and his name is North. He's the, also the blondest kid you'll ever meet. Uh, secondly, I'm one of the 50 pregnant women here at the vineyard. That's not an exaggeration. So we have another boy coming along. He'll be here probably Labor Day weekend. And in case you're wondering, I'm about five foot five. So well, let's go ahead and get started. <laughs> yeah. Um, how many of you have been reading um, the little ebook devotional that Ray Hollenbach put out called 50 Forgotten Days? Anybody? A few of us. Uh, you guys have been enjoying it? I, I really have. Um, I've, I've been reading every day. It's a devotional of the 50 days between Easter and Pentecost. And um, it's been really good. It's just like a little devotional each day. And it has a question at the end to kind of ask yourself and reflect on the resurrection of Jesus and the 50 days he spent or the 40 days he spent on the earth and then the 10 days before Pentecost. And um, on day three, there was this question that Ray asked at the end of the devotional that has been haunting me ever since I read it. And, you know, we're on day 20 now. Um, And the question was, um, what does the power of the resurrection look like in my everyday life? And when I read that, it immediately hit me because I was sitting at my desk at work and I just started to recount that question over and over as I went about my life. And I would be sitting and looking at enrollment numbers um, at my desk or meeting with a student. And I would think about what does resurrection power look like right now in this room with this person? What does it look like practically? Um, or I'll be taking care of my son and cleaning up his messes or changing his diaper. And that, that question came back to me again. What does resurrection power look like right now? What is it supposed to look like? And um, I was driving down the road one day in my minivan, just like any other little mom. And I was thinking about what does resurrection power look like? Because I live a really ordinary, mundane life. I have a full-time job and I'm a mom And, you know, we do our best to keep our house clean, just like everybody else here. You know, it's really ordinary, really mundane. And that's the question that um, the Lord just keeps bringing back to me. And the truth is, is that the Spirit has so many answers to that question. He has different things that he wants to speak to us. But um, I think we're going to look at one thing that means today. And we're going to start with the story of Lazarus. So in John 11, if you have your Bibles and you want to turn there. We're going to look at two parts to the story, not the full story. Um, But John 11, we're going to start in verse 17 and stop at 26. Um, And we know that, um, let's see here. Uh, We know that, you know, Lazarus was Jesus' friend and he had passed away and Jesus was arriving on the scene. So on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. 
And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? So at this moment, you know, Martha's in mourning. She's terribly upset, as, as I would be if my brother had passed away. And, um, you know, Jesus' response to her is that he was going to raise Lazarus up. And, you know, what was Martha's response to that? It was, yeah, of course, he's going to be resurrected one day. I know that. You know, it's, it's the same answer that um, we're probably really comfortable with. We're really comfortable with the idea that the roll is going to be called up yonder and the trumpet's going to sound, right? We're all going to get zapped up. It's going to be, you know, we're going to get zoomed up to heaven. We don't understand any of it, but bam, it's going to be done. And we understand it. It's a really easy, halfway comforting thought. It really is. Um, but, you know, from Martha's response, we can really see something about our own hearts um, when we think about resurrection. And um, what we can see is that the temptation is to just believe that God is only interested in making us new and making us whole when we die and go to heaven. You know, we, we have that temptation to kind of believe that, that um, the work of transformation, it'll all happen one day and um, new creation is going to just happen in one fell swoop and Jesus is going to take care of it. And there's nothing that we need to do until then because, you know, like, why work towards it if it's just going to happen in one moment? Um, And so the thing is, is that when we put off new creation just for another day and another time, we are denying the spirit that lives inside of us that already says that we are alive right now. So this, you know, it's, it's kind of like somebody who um, maybe eats really trashy and uh, eats all the time and just keeps eating and eating and eating. And, you know, maybe there's health concerns that come up because of that. And the thing that they say is, well, I'm just going to keep eating how I'd like because don't worry, one day I'm going to go on The Biggest Loser and Jillian Michaels is going to kick my butt. She's going to yell at me and I'm going to lose it all in just a short amount of time and I'll be back to, to health. You know, it actually doesn't make any sense. It, it doesn't make any sense to put off something so good and, and something so transformative to a later date and just assign it to when somebody else is going to take care of it for us. Um, and so the truth is, is that we actually don't have to wait to be made new. Resurrection is something that is not just at the end when the trumpet sounds, but it's something that starts right now. And it's something that Jesus died for and he rose again so that we can experience it right now. Um, The second takeaway that we can have from Martha's response is that um, it's really easy to let our pain overshadow the belief in the promises of God. You know, um, Jesus, God, was standing right in front of her and telling her that her brother was going to get up. And it was a promise. He was making a promise to her face to face. But her pain was so great and maybe her religious understanding was, was too strong to let her believe it in that moment. And it, it takes a certain kind of faith and it takes a certain kind of person that when things are the darkest, they can look that in the eyes and still say, I'm going to believe the promises of God even when they're the darkest. Even when my pain is screaming loudly in my ears, that I can still believe the promises of God. And, um, you know, it, it's something that, that Martha fell into, but it's something that we often fall into. Like how many of us go about daily life in some really uncomfortable circumstance happens and instead of just believing God's promises we really squirm and we whine and we complain and and we writhe in pain because that's what we're feeling rather than believing the promises of God but he's inviting us to believe him 
you know, he's willing to take the time to explain it not once, not twice, but actually show us the extent of his love. Um, let's continue on then um, in John 11. We're going to continue in verse 38. Um, Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor, for he's been there for four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you'll see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Um, Can you imagine the scene? There's this dead man. Whoops, lost my microphone here. There's a dead man who suddenly came out, and he's not, like, dressed in his Sunday best like we, off, like we do when we have funerals and put people in caskets. You know, we dress them in their really nice clothes. But um, for him, he was covered in cloth and linen and uh, just totally mummified. And can you imagine this, this formerly dead man is now walking, and he, he still even has something covering his face, and he's come out. Um, and the thing I, I can take away from that is that Lazarus was fully alive at that moment. He, Jesus had spoke a word to him and he became alive. But in that moment, he still looked dead, right? Even John called him the dead man, right? The dead man came out and his hands and feet were wrapped, right? He was still described after he was living as dead. He looked dead. And, um, you know, the same is true for us. We experience new life in a single moment when when we believe Jesus and, and his power to save us and, and we believe in that he's taken away our sins and given us new life, we're alive in a single moment, but we still look dead. You know, it, it's not something that immediately happens that suddenly like, oh, my depression is gone because I, I suddenly met Jesus. Or, you know, I, I have suddenly stopped yelling at my kids because I know Jesus, right? It's not true. Have you ever stood and wondered you're acting completely irrationally or... Or you're in a total funk and you're thinking, I don't understand. I'm a Christian. I should not be acting this way, right? Well, the, tr- the truth is, is you're fully alive on the inside, but you just look dead on the outside sometimes. We just do. Um, but the, the counterpoint to that is even though we can act like our dead nature and who we formerly were, we are fully alive on the inside. There was nothing about Lazarus that was dead. He just looked dead. So he was fully alive, and the same is true for us, and it, it's part of the believer, you know. When, that's actually when our, when our faith meets reality, is when we're acting like hell, and when we're acting like our former earthly nature, the, the Christian is the one who believes that it's actually okay, and that we're actually fully alive on the inside, and Jesus bought everything, and so ultimately we're still alive. That's what the Christian life is about. It's not about being perfect. It's about understanding that Jesus paid for everything and that we are fully alive. There's nothing that that is dead about us anymore. We cannot be dead anymore. He's called us alive. Um, The the really good part about this story is that um, Jesus didn't demand that Lazarus look like a dead guy forever. 
Like, Lazarus didn't have to go around with the stigma that he had to wear the linen on his face the rest of his life and just be that guy, you know? Like, in, in movies, you know, the, the, the mummies stay mummies. They still look like mummies, you know? They walk around because if you took it off, who knew what would happen? It all, all crumble apart, I guess. But Jesus was not okay with that, right? He says, take off his grave clothes and let him go. And um, Jesus, you know, ultimately is the same with us. He's not okay with us looking dead forever. You know, part of us, uh, we really have this shtick of being the poor, miserable sinner of being like, there's no way I can ever overcome the things in my life or, or the sin in my life or the habits that I've formed. Uh, I'm, I'm just a poor, miserable sinner and Jesus is great and I'm, I'm really crappy and that's the end of the story, right? But, um, but God actually wants to partner with us to take off the grave clothes, to take off the old nature and to put on a new nature and to act like we're alive. Yeah. So we're going to look at Colossians 3, um, and this is, this is really the passage that I've been dwelling on when I'm thinking about what resurrection power looks like in my everyday life. Um, and so let's read this here. Um, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander and filthy language from your lips do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in the knowledge in the image of its creator here there is no gentile or jew circumcised or uncircumcised barbarian scythian slave or free but christ is all and is in all therefore as god's chosen people holy and dearly loved clothe yourselves with compassion kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. So to me, Colossians 3 is this beautiful picture of what happened with Lazarus. And what, um, what happens with us. Um, Lazarus had these grave clothes on and um, the Lord was, you know, said, take off those grave clothes and presumably put on new clothes, right? The clothes of an alive man, we're hoping. Um, and, and that's what Colossians 3 is about. It's about taking off the grave clothes of our old nature, what looks like we're dead, taking those off and putting on the clothes of new life. And verse, verse 1 is, uh, says, since you have been raised with Christ, right? Um, a lot of us approach this passage with a little bit of fear and nervousness and a little bit of resistance initially because um, it's, it feels like a laundry list of things that I have to do or sins I have to overcome that I previously have never been able to overcome before, so what's the use in trying anyway? And, um, and actually, if we understand that we've been raised with Christ, it actually gives us the will to go on. 
and it gives us the will to address these things. Because this list of things that we need to take off is actually a really worthy list to look at. Um, It's something that we need to approach and something that we shouldn't avoid because it's actually necessary that we take off these things. Um, It's for our good. Have you ever met somebody who's like in their 80s and have given themselves for their whole lives to greed and bitterness and anger and you meet them when they're 80 and they're just the most miserable person you've ever met in their life, right? It's because for their lifetime, they've given themselves to these things and, and the fruit of that is just pure misery. It's for our good that we take these things off and that we don't look like a dead guy anymore. The core issue though um, with these symptoms, rather than to look at them as a list of things that I need to check off and a list of things I need to fix about myself, is that really they're just symptoms of our earthly nature. They're symptoms of a deeper issue, and that deeper issue is that um, a lot of us struggle with trusting the Lord. We, we struggle with trusting God in, in our lives. And, um, you know, we can look at sexual immorality and think, oh God, I'm ne- just never going to overcome that. But the truth is, sexual immorality just points to, um, it's a symptom of a belief. And the belief is, is that God doesn't care about my body ultimately, and he doesn't care about my emotional needs because um, I have to fulfill those on my own. I have to somehow fulfill my emotional and, and sexual needs on my own. Um, and greed is, is just showing that I, I don't think God's going to provide for me, or the, the enough that he has provided for me is actually not enough. I actually need more. And anger is a reaction to a belief that I don't really think that God's a good judge. I don't think that if he was a good judge, he would, he would deal with this situation. But because he's not a, a good judge, I'm going to have to exact judgment in this moment on this situation. And that's what anger is. It's, it's a symptom of a reality of that I really don't trust God to take care of me. And slander is just insecurity in my identity as a son or daughter. It shows that I have to cut other people down in order to make myself look better and it's, it's the fact that I really don't believe that I'm a trusted son or a trusted daughter. All these things spring from our earthly nature, and they are worthy of death because they just further erode our trust in God. You know, if we really believe we're alive, if we really believe that we're seated with him, it's going to give us the will to tackle these things because that alive nature in us really does want to tackle these things, and, and it's worthy of that. So how do we do it? Um, Verse 2 says to set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. One of the traps is to focus on the sin and and make it the issue and become obsessed with overcoming my anger issues or overcoming a certain issue that I have. But the key is, is just to set your mind on things above where we know that God is so good. And, he, and if we set our mind on how good God is and how much he just wants to make us alive, even more alive than we already are, and, and just look more alive than we already are, then those, those things are really a lot easier to tackle. They're not easy to tackle, but they're easier to tackle. Um, so God's encouraging us to take off our grave clothes, to stop looking like a dead guy, because we really are not dead anymore. And that's, that's the reality. Um, The great part is, is that we're also encouraged to put something on. You know, the gospel is not just that Jesus saves me from my sin, but he also gives me eternal life. He puts the Holy Spirit inside of me. So it's not just taking away of something, but it's putting something in or putting something on in this case. And um, 
that list here is just so wonderful. The things that we should clothe ourselves with, compassion and kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And that, that's something that, again, I was just rolling around in my mind over and over as I was sitting at my desk just doing my job, you know, or, or treating my son a certain way. I just started to think about putting on compassion. What does that look like to put on compassion in my life? And, uh, you know, if it's worth meditating on. Um, in First, or First Corinthians fifteen fifty three, it says, The perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. And that whole passage is talking about one day our bodies are going to be resurrected and, and these earthly bodies that we have that were given to us by the first Adam, there, there's not going to be anything like that anymore. It's going to be a brand new immortal body. And, but the same is true in a really practical sense that for sons of God and daughters of God, we must clothe ourselves with immortality. This, this flesh that really disappoints us most days, we have to clothe ourselves with immortality and the things that are imperishable because if we do that, we'll just live forever with God. Um, yeah. So in 12 through 14, um, the key phrase there is to just know really how holy we are, how holy God has made us and how dearly loved we are. And um, knowing how dearly loved you are really comes from encounter with God. It's not, it's not going to be through Bible knowledge or through just really understanding. It comes through encountering God's goodness. And um, I was thinking back at high points in my life when I really had encountered the love of God. And there was this season in my life um, in my early 20s where I was reading a book by Brennan Manning called The Signature of Jesus. And in that book, I don't remember all the specifics. I just remember it was really about the ferocious love of God and how much God loved me and his sincere passion for me. And I read it, and I was ingesting it, and, and I was reading these words on the page, and they meant something in my mind. Uh, but it wasn't until uh, one night um, after reading this book, I had a dream. And in my dream, I met Jesus, and he came to me, and I was just babbling on about how insecure I was about doing life and how everything I did just wasn't good enough. Um, and the Lord looked at me, in the dream, and he looked right into my eyes, and he said, you know, you don't have to work for me. You don't have to try for me. And um, in that moment, his eyes pierced through my eyes, and it's like there were laser beams into my stomach, and, and in my body, there was this burning that I could not control. And it was so strong in the dream that it woke me up, and physically, my body was burning. I I can't explain it except it felt like someone had just, like I had just ingested like something that was 300 degrees. And, and I was just burning on the inside and I was overwhelmed with the love of God. And it wasn't just head knowledge at that point. It was a personal experience with the love of God. And I remember being so dramatically changed after that point. And I, I felt like I was floating on air for the next week. I felt like I had find, found my lover for a lifetime. And that was the end of the story. I was so secure and still, you know, reap the benefits of that, but encounter the, the Lord's love in so many other ways as well. And, um, you know, if you've never had an encounter like that with Jesus personally, it's worth asking for, you know, he will come to you if you ask him. And, um, if you search him out and you seek him, you will find him. He's not um, that, he's mysterious, but he's not that mysterious. He's not willing to hide from you forever. And so um, we need an encounter with the love of God. We need more encounters with the love of God because when we understand how dearly loved we are, 
um, it's really a lot easier to put on things like compassion and humility. Um, another thing that's really good news is that putting on these, taking off gray clothes and putting on new things is a work with the Spirit. We partner with the Spirit to do this, and we're not alone in our struggle. It's not through just our human effort and, and just, you know, making, making an effort on our own. It's not through that. The Spirit actually works with us. Um, you know, the Holy Spirit is like, in my mind, he's like a doula, which is like a birth coach, okay? And I had Sarah Ward at my birth when North was born. And I will never have a baby when Sarah Ward is not there, okay? <laughs> so she has to be there because her job there was to basically tell me a few things. Number one... I was not going to die. <laughs> Number two um, is that I really could do it. I could actually um, give new life. I could actually do it. And, um, you know, a pregnant lady shouldn't tell a birth story. It makes me want to cry. Okay. <laughs> um, but also she told me really practical things in that moment when I was really struggling and laboring. She told me practical things that I could do to make things progress or make things easier um, and then also she reassured me that the end was going to come and that the end was actually not the end. It was new life. It was a baby. And um, the Holy Spirit is the same way with this really tough, hard work that we have to do. Sometimes it feels really hard of putting off the old nature and putting on the new nature. Um, he's actually there to, um, first of all, tell us we're not going to die. It's, it's not the end of the world to do these things. We're actually going to make it to the other end. And, um, you know, if we partner with him and listen to him, he has really practical suggestions for us on how to make things easier and then also how to progress, how to, how to come along. And then um, he does reassure us over and over that new life will come. It ultimately will come in a flash, right? But it will come along the way if we are willing to partner with the Spirit and to take off our old selves and put on something new. New life comes. And it won't necessarily come in a flash right now, this second, but it is, it is progress that we're making. It's ground that we're taking, and it's the way that we become looking more like Jesus because that's actually, we want to look more alive. We want to look more like him. And the Holy Spirit is willing to work with us here. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's it. That's, that's the answer that the Holy Spirit gave me this week to what does resurrection power look like in my everyday life. And, and one thing that... Um, I think it means is that it's taking off the old nature and putting on the new nature. That's resurrection power. So um, let's take a minute and just ask the Lord that question because he has other things to speak to us as well. So Father, um, just ask you to speak to us and show us what does resurrection power look like in my everyday life? Lord, what are the things that belong to my, my dead man, my old nature, that you're inviting me to take off?
Lord, would you show me how to do that? God, would you show me what you're inviting me to put on and what imperishable thing you want me to clothe me with? Thank you, Lord. Amen. If you guys just want to stand, I'm going to bless you guys. And we'll be dismissed. (coughs) Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Thanks for making us alive. Thanks for starting something that just will never stop. And, Lord, we invite you to show us what resurrection power looks like in our everyday, mundane, ordinary lives. We love you. Amen.